I'm going to be telling a little bit of a story about a beloved tree of mine uh, in a second. And uh, we're, we're going through a few things that we are called to, like called and chosen is sort of the flavour of this, this time as we get together. Called and chosen, that God chose all of us. He's called all of us into uh, his kingdom for his work and, and to do his will in this life. And as I was pondering on this, something really, I guess, struck me about the importance of being called together. All right, that, that, that is actually a calling that we are given that, you know, God says he calls us into fellowship, he calls us into peace with one another, he calls us into unity, he calls us into a family, he calls us into body, whatever we might put it as. And um, I was thinking, you know what? We need to make sure we have a right understanding of what that really is in church life, right? So this, today's a, it's sort of like a, I guess, a preach on, you know, how do I actually get connected? Because it's actually really important, right? I, I don't know about you, but I actually, and I, and I mean this in the right way, I like to be noticed. I want people to care about me. I want people to know who I am. I want people to have a relationship with me. And there's some people who don't really care about that stuff at all, but not many. God made us as humans that desire company. In fact, why did God make Eve? It's not good for man to be alone. That he's placed inside the heart of man, this, this hunger for relationship, right? And how do we actually do that? How do we do that in a church, um, especially, you know, if we actually grow? How do we keep connection? How do we keep relationship without it being something that is self-seeking? Because relationships can be very selfish, right? Do you, do you agree with that? You know, people that it's all about them. It's all about take, 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 and there's no interest in you whatsoever. You ring them on the phone and you're like, g'day, how you going? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, and then they, and you go, how's your family? And 30 minutes later, they're finished talking about their family and they say, oh, how's your family? And you go, oh, yeah, my daughter's, oh, and blah, 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 and you're cut off. And, and then it goes back to them and their life and who they are and what they're doing and how important everything in their life is. There are people like that, and hopefully we're not like that, but we need relationship, right? But we also need good relationships. We don't want bad relationships that, you know, where we're with people all the time and our relationship is fully all about fighting. It's all about arguing. It's all about proving a point. It's all about comparing one with another and who's better and, you know, whose kids are smarter and more developed and, you know, because... I've got to say, my grandson is, you know, very talented and <laughs> the smartest kid and he's so well advanced, you know, of every other kid in the world. But that's how it can be sometimes, right? There's this, this thing inside of us that we, again, that comes from a lack of security of who we are and the relationships that we're in. If you are not confident in your relationship with God and get your well-being from him, you're always going to be seeking for that approval from other people. You're always going to be seeking for someone to be your answer. And Psalm 1, an amazing psalm, just talks about that. And it says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man. That if you're looking to people to fill every need, that's not good. You need to trust God. Develop your strength, your, your inner being in him. 
But at the same time, God has brought us together so that we can actually grow in that, right? So that, that we can point each other to Christ, that we can uh, encourage one another, that we can even rebuke one another when we're heading off into sin, that, that we can pray for one another, that we can help one another when we need help. And I would have to say that I have met many Christians who are lonely. Or they say, I've got no friends. And, and that to me is really sad, you know, that, that we could be in a place that should be above all other places, this place where we feel connected to people because we have Christ in the midst of us, yet there's still a disconnection. And sometimes it is the church's fault, I guess, we could put some blame on the church, but sometimes it's actually our own insecurities, it's our own lack of connecting in, and isolating ourselves. And when it comes to, to church, it's like we see people that would say, I want the community to come to me and join me. In other words, I, I've got my life. The church should be running around and reaching out to me and coming and following me wherever I am, but that's not how it works. We are called to a community. When I become part of a community, I don't expect the community to come to me. I expect that I'm going to say, I belong to this community now. I'm going to make steps to become part of this community. And I think a lot of that probably comes from, uh, how would you say, the environment that we're in. I mean, whose fault is youth crime, guys? It's the government's, right? It's the government. They should be doing something about it. Whose fault is interest rate rises? It's the government, for sure. Whose fault is it that I don't have a car? It's the government. They should be fixing everything. Whose fault is it that, that people are in jail? And that's the government. Whose fault is it, is it that there's not enough workers? That's the government. Everything seems to be thrown up to this, this cloud of the government is to blame. And we're looking for the government to solve every problem that is in this world, right? I even heard the other day there was a, an organisation that the government had hired, funded, to help with youth and the, the, uh, the problems that are in youth. And, and they said, they said, it's the government's fault. I'm like, wait a minute, didn't the government just give you money because you said you can help solve this problem? But somehow it still ended up back there. And I want to make sure that there's two things. That the church, us, all right, because like this is really important to think about. The church is definitely not me. The church is us, right? So, you know, if the church hasn't visited you, but you've had seven people from this church come to your house when you needed help, the church did visit you. The church is not me. And I'll just talk a little bit into that. Not saying that I shouldn't or shouldn't be involved in that sort of thing, but, but, but you can see sometimes we get this whole mindset. The church didn't meet my needs. The church, the church, the church. And what we're really saying is that person there is responsible. They should be doing everything. They're responsible for my life. Um, but the Bible says that we are all responsible for our own conduct, that we're the ones that have to make choices, that we have to come in. Jesus, when he called the disciples, he didn't force them into a relationship. In fact, he didn't even chase after them. He just said, hey, come and follow me. They made a choice that day. Do I come and join Jesus? 
and walk with him? Or do I just walk my own separate path and expect Jesus to run around after me? You know, Jesus, if you really want me to follow, me, follow you, you need to make a bit of effort and come and grab me. And, and there's no doubt that Jesus certainly went to people, but, but the way he did it was this, come and follow me. The ones that followed him, they went on this journey into friendship. And I want us to remember that. All right, today as we sit here, as we're thinking, you know, I've just joined this church or I'm new to this church or maybe you're even old to this church. But how can you actually move into friendship? Because Jesus, like it was sort of three years later after they'd been doing ministry, he said to his disciples, he said, I called you servants, but now you're my friends. He didn't call them friends on the first day that they followed him. They made a decision to, to join in and walk with him, come to know who he was, and as time went by, they became friends. And Jesus said, you were my servants, but now you're my friends. And, and sometimes we, we want to rush that whole process, don't we? I've been at, at church for three weeks and I haven't had 20 invites out, um, which is fair, you should get something, at least people being kind and nice and inviting into life and there is a responsibility which I want to talk about on us as a church how do we be friendly but we want it all to be there right now it's just not going to happen and sometimes it feels really hard because we have people here right now that have established friendships and and we come into a new place or or whatever it might be and it seems like oh there's clicks but no there's just friends They're used to hanging around, but how do I also become a friend with someone? How do I connect with people so that I can grow? Now, let me tell you the story of my little fig here. So, oh, look at it. It's beautiful. (laughs) It's a little bit unkempt at the moment. But that fig there, how old do you reckon it is? I don't know. You know how old it is? It's over 20 years old. That tiny little fig can't be 20 years old. Look at it. But it is. I rescued that fig. This is a rescue fig. It was up in a gutter. We were out tree lopping one day and I saw this little fig growing in a gutter. So of a roof, do you know what I mean? Like a rainwater gutter. I don't know how long it had been there, but I was like, oh, I'm going to take that little fig home because it looked so cute. You know, it jumped up and licked me and... I brought it home and put it in a little pot and I've had it ever since. And I purposely tried to keep it small. All right, so that's, say, about 20 years old at least. Next photo, Joe. That fig might be around about the same age, I reckon. Yeah, 20 years old, same type of fig. I'm going to show you another one later. But what's the difference between those two trees? Why is it that this, this fig, 20 years old, in the pot, is so small? And you can see bonsai trees that could be hundreds of years old, even smaller than that. Let's have a look at Psalm 92, 12 to 14. Is that there, Joe? Yeah. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. Or another version says, planted in the Lord's house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. The difference is that 
One tree has been left to grow roots down deep into the soil and grow. The other one is a pot plant. Now, how did I make sure that was small? I underwatered it. I didn't put any fertiliser on it, or very rarely gave it any fertiliser. I gave it a limited scope of growth for the roots, right? The second fig is in a place where the roots could go down and, and, and so it could grow. And this is what God is saying to us. If you want to flourish in your Christian life, stop being a pot plant. Seriously. Isn't it sad that we have churches where people are pot plants? They don't commit, they don't connect, they don't put their roots down and they wonder why wonder why they feel so alone in their walk with God. They wonder why it is that, you know, although I haven't committed, I haven't connected, I haven't made an effort to be part of this community to, to put my roots down, they wonder why there's not the love that they need, which they do need. We all need love. And often you have a church full of pot plants, That's just it. I mean, it's a pretty simple picture, isn't it? But doesn't that make sense? It's like, I'm going to restrict the amount of nutrient I get. I'm going to restrict the amount of water I get. And guess what happens? You don't grow. And then you feel discontent. You feel discontent because you're not part of it. You don't feel part of it. And so it's so important for us to, to put those roots down and, and I just want to talk a little bit about us and structure and how we can actually do that. For example, you might need prayer. Do you know how often there's a prayer meeting here? Once a month on a Sunday there's a prayer meeting. No one wants to pray for me, you know, no one's chased me, I haven't let anyone know. The Bible says, you know, if you're sick, call the elders, tell them, hey man, I'm sick, come. Don't wait, reach out, grab hold of but if you need prayer for anything, there's a prayer meeting once a month where there's Christians here that can pray for you. There's connect groups where you can make friends and, and people can pray for you. And hopefully out of that you get close friendships as well where you have this deep love for one another. What about, I just need a breakthrough in my life, everything's really sad, I feel so sad, and, and we think about the worship music. Worship's a good way to break through. We have a worship night and you watch Farmer Wants a Wife instead whatever it might be. Actually, you wouldn't because that's Thursday night and it's not on Thursday. <laughs> but <laughs> there, there's this emphasis sometimes we put on everyone else meet my need. There's a worship night. Come and get a breakthrough in worship. Come and, and get a breakthrough. Uh, something good on TV tonight or I'm tired or whatever, but the desperate need is not met. So what the opportunity is there, am I taking it? Well, let's have a little look at some pictures now. So this is you. Nice. <laughs> this is you. Easy to spot, right? Really big eyes and brown hair. All right. So this is you. Next one, on a Sunday. Where are you? Can you see you? Can, yeah, you spotted it. Let's go down the next one. Hey, <laughs> this is you at your connect group. <laughs> Suddenly your face is much more visible, right? Just see the picture I'm painting here. 
Your best connections are not made on a Sunday morning. You'll make some good connections if you serve in ministries and stuff like that. But to actually grow and flourish, you need to be noticed. Now, you, you do. Does anyone disagree with that or do you just wish no one ever talked to you? I want friends. I want people in my life that I can trust that can pray for me, all right? And the thing is that in a bigger crowd, your face is harder to see. And, you know, we might think that, you know, no one cares, but maybe they just didn't notice because of the, the size of the crowd. Do you understand what I'm saying here? There's other places you can connect where you become much more known, where you become part of, where you actually put roots down and you're not a pot plant. So you, you haven't come in on a Sunday morning and left early and not hung around ever or talked to anyone and you feel disconnected. Of course you do. You actually are disconnected. It's as simple as that. As simple as that. And this isn't... The, the problem is that when we start to have this mindset that um, the church, as in the leaders, are responsible for everything, it's a really wrong mindset. We're going to look at a verse in Ephesians, what the actual... Uh, the job is of the people who are pastoring, etc., etc. Now, I think you could read that in two ways because I think all of us have a gift in one of those areas. But we're going to start with an example of Moses, okay? So he's out in the desert. His father-in-law comes to visit him with his wife and his kids because he sent them back while they were sitting in the desert. He was like, you go home for a little while. They came back and, and Jethro came back as well. So that was his father-in-law. Let's go to Exodus 18, 13 to 26. The next day Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do this all alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? When a dispute arises, they come to me, and I'm the one who settles the case between the quarrelling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. This is not good, Moses, father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me, and let me give you a word of advice, and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to them, to him. Teach them God's decrees, give them his instructions, show them how to conduct their lives, but select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God, hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. Smart man, Jethro. Moses actually did take the advice and God gave him some people to help carry out those instructions. Now this is obviously, as Moses is here, it's, it's with disputes that are happening, right? That are happening amongst the people. But you could translate that, transliterate it, whatever it might be, into, you know, there's lots of people that needed prayer. So they all came before Moses. There's lots of people who really wanted to be invited out to dinner, so they all came to Moses' house. 
there's lots of people that needed attention, so they came before Moses so he could give them attention. What happened in this case, and what will happen in that case in any church, is that not only the pastor gets worn out or the leaders get worn out, but guess who else gets worn out? The people. <laughs> you know, the people out there get worn out. Why? Because they're, they're waiting for this connection and they're looking for it and it's not coming and so there's discouragement. So could you imagine waiting all day to solve a dispute because, you know, whatever it might be, your, your kid did something wrong in the morning and you're having a dispute all day and 20 hours later you come see Moses and he's exhausted. He doesn't really care about your problem anymore. Um, and you're exhausted, you just want to get it over and done with. Sometimes, sometimes that's what it's like in churches, right? Would you agree or disagree? Just have a think about it. But where there's this high pressure placed on the leaders, I keep doing this today, I don't know why, <laughs> placed on the leaders to be the answer to everything in your life they should be answering it you know like in all honesty like let's just break it down this isn't happening here so don't think picking on us but you know i think the pastor should be visiting everyone who's sick in hospital it takes me from here to go to town and back out again three hours at least right maybe there's two or three people in hospital and also they should be available for after-hours counselling for me and my family because we're having trouble and he should neglect his family or her family to counsel us. Um, should be at every single church meeting. Be present at everything. Should be helping out in every area. Um, if I need prayer, it's only the pastor who can pray. Um, plus, they need to make sure they give us a good word on a Sunday and make sure that they've been praying and hearing from God as well and be involved in the administration of the church. And, 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 and. There was a survey once done and, and they surveyed the people in their church. I think it was something like there's about 90 hours of work a week that the pastor was expected to do if you actually condense it like that. That speaks to me of a wrong thinking, all right? Wrong because the pastor is not God. The pastor is not the only one who can pray and visit. The pastor is not the church. In fact, the pastor has been given a role in a church to, to equip the saints. And we're going to look at that verse in a minute. What does that mean? It means that my job really is to not have a job. <laughs> not really. But hopefully that, that as, as Christians we mature, right? So... The problem with that way of thinking is this, is I'm just a baby Christian. Gimme, 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 meet my needs. I am really tired and hungry and I'm crying. Can you please get my bottle? That's not the job of a pastor, to come and nurture everyone. In fact, I hate the term. Now, please understand me when I say this, understand what it is, but pastoral care. Hey, I did it again. <laughs> pastoral care. Why do I hate that term? Because it makes you think that the pastor should be the one caring, right? Pastoral care. As if I'm the only one who can care about people. But the Bible never speaks of it like that way. It says that you guys should be caring for one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another, um, getting together. You should be speaking the word to one another. That, that 
it's not a responsibility of a select crowd to be godly and to be mature and to carry out the work of the ministry. It's the job of the church, which is actually you guys. And I am really failing if I was pastoring this church and none of you guys could do that stuff. I hope that's not the case. I really hope it's not. But what I'm doing this morning is to try and set up our mindset, you know, that, that we are responsible together in this, in the growing of the church, in the, the, the encouragement of one another. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says this, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. What's the job of leadership? To get you to do the work. <laughs> I like that job. No. <laughs> but, but, but you see how it's a very different way of thinking, right? And we need to break out of it because when we're going to go a little bit next week into our gifts and actually answering the call for our gifts, if we are expecting that it's all up to the leadership to do everything we're not going to ever walk in our gifts in the right way. We're going to be immature. We're going to be pot plants, expecting them to do everything. The truth of the matter is that we need to provide these things as a church body, all right? So let's just say you've been here for many, many years and what do we need to provide? We need to provide opportunity for people to connect, right? We do that. If you want to connect with people... We have Sunday morning, okay, cool, we, we have morning tea, we have connect groups, we have um, ministries that go on during the week, there's events that are on every now and then, like we had a camp a few weeks ago, we, we, we're trying to do at least once every term some sort of church connection thing. There's ministry teams to serve and yep, that's true. Okay, so there's, there's places you can connect. Don't wait for someone to run after you. It's hard, I get it. You don't really know them. I remember when I joined a new footy team, it was really hard. You don't know anyone and you're doing your drills, you're trying to remember their names and then afterwards it's really awkward. Who do you speak to? But do you know how you get to know people? You spend time with them. When you first started a new job, what happened? You didn't know anyone and you're just sort of, who's who in the zoo here? And then after a few years, you become friends with some of them. Because why you work together, that's why it's even important. Join a ministry team somewhere. Do that. So opportunity, yes. We have to be friendly as a church. The whole church has to be friendly, not the leaders of the church. They should be friendly, of course. But as a church, when you're sitting in your row in the morning before church starts and someone who you've never met before sits behind you, have you turned around and said hello? Hey, how you going? My name's so-and-so, what's your name? And have a little chat. When you're in the cafe, as a person who comes to this church all the time, have you gone up to someone who's sitting by themselves and introduced yourself? Even better than that, have you got a group of friends? And this is where it can work so really, really well. You might have a group of friends you hang around with. Grab a person that's new. Hey, do you want to come and sit with us? Do you know how good that is? Because you're not sitting there trying to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone and feeling really awkward. 
and they're feeling awkward. Maybe they can sit down, they don't have to engage, they can engage at their own leisure. You can engage with different people. You can be friendly like that. You can say hello, you can smile at people. You can meet a new person, say, hey, do you want to catch up for a coffee? It'd be great. Let's wind that back. So what if Pastor Neil has to catch up with everyone for coffee? There's a lot of people here. It's not even a big church. Imagine if it was big. But that's my response. No, it's everyone's responsibility. But it's also... So we provide the opportunity, we are friendly, hopefully, and we're welcoming to people. I think we need to get that right. And there's some areas where we can do better, right? There's always areas we can do better, for sure. But what about me as a new person? What's my responsibility? My responsibility is to commit if, if I'm going to really grow in a place. Come to church as often as you can. Come a little bit earlier. There's people sitting around going there and hopefully they'll say hello to you. Commit to a connect group because out of that you might actually grow some friendships. It's about becoming part of a community, not expecting the community to come part of you. We are joining community. And I'm not saying that's easy. Well, actually, it is easy. Come to church every Sunday is actually very easy. Sign up for a connect group is actually very easy. To commit to it every week is hard. <laughs> At times, right, you know, we get busy and stuff. But make it a consistent in your life. How else do we welcome people in? We actually commit to being friends, which means we commit as people from this church to be vulnerable to others, to share our life, our story with people when we need to, to open up our heart to new friendships, right? That's what we do, that connecting in. It's a two-thing, a two-way thing, isn't it? You know, there's this responsibility for us as a church to be friendly and welcoming and provide opportunity, but also when I'm new to somewhere, it's up to me to make a decision to commit. And that's where you'll get your most growth, all right? You don't have to. That fig in the pot is still alive and growing, but it's just stunted. And that's exactly how you can... And you might actually like that. Great. Live like that. But if you want to grow, you have to go, I'm going to be part of this community and I'm going to put my roots down. All right. I think that's actually it. I think that's it. Let me have a look. Yeah, why not? Let's put up our last picture. This is what we want to be in the end, isn't it, hey? Look at that tree. That's beautiful. Jade, can you find that psalm, psalm verse again for me? Slide three. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God, 
Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. And you know what, for me, I want to be vital and green even when I finally become old. <laughs> Let's pray, eh? Father God, I just want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to become part of your kingdom and part of this church. Lord, I'm praying that we would all take our, our responsibilities seriously, Father God, that we would take what we are meant to do seriously, Father God, to be godly people. But Lord, I just want to pray that we would put our roots down, Father God, and, and not be pot plants in the kingdom so that we could actually flourish, that we could grow, that we could produce fruit, even in our old age, Father. And I just want to thank you for that opportunity today. I just pray that you'll speak to each one of us about where it is that we need to actually put our roots down and make a commitment to see you grow in us, us grow in you, and your kingdom to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you may not have ever received Jesus Christ as your saviour as your saviour. Um, one of the beautiful things that God says is that when you accept Jesus Christ, that he fills your heart with peace. And it might be today that you've come in here and you're like, I'm just looking for some peace. My life is just so tragic. God can offer you peace even in the circumstances. But it takes this to give your life to him, to understand these things. One, that you are a sinner. Before you receive Christ, your nature is to work against God and to sin. That's just the way it is. You have to understand that Jesus died for your sin, that he took your place, that, that you deserve punishment for that. That's just the way it is. We have a holy God who is righteous and just. And your sin has kept you from him. And it's forced his hand. Jesus took that sin on the cross, that everything you've ever done wrong, every wrong thing you've ever done, Jesus took on the cross. That when he died on the cross, his blood was shed so that you could be forgiven. There's a sacrifice for you to take the place, to take the punishment that you deserved. And it's a free gift. You can have it today. It's a decision that you make. I will trust Christ. He rose from the dead so that you could also rise from the dead so that along with this forgiveness of sin, when you die, you don't die. You live again and you go on to eternal life. These are the beautiful things that he's promised for us. So if that's you this morning and you're just like, I just feel so much weight from everything I've done wrong, God can give you a fresh start this morning if you ask Jesus into your life and ask for forgiveness. So I'm just going to pray. If that's you, you pray with me. And you talk to the friend you came with, the person you came with, or if you didn't come with anyone, please come and see me. As I said, I'll be up the front or at the barrels after the church. And just tell me that you prayed. If that's you this morning, you just pray with me now. Father God, I have sinned against you. I'm sorry. I've sinned against people, and I'm sorry. I just want to ask for your forgiveness today. I thank you that Jesus died on the cross for me. Please release me from the chains of sin this morning. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. And I want your life today.